This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Along the lines of agreements and what we uh, have agreed to, I thought the second article related to security issues was interesting. This is the second most popular tweet uh, from the month. Security researchers accuse Microsoft of sneaky data mining in Windows 10. Talk us through that article and what's fascinating about it. Yeah, you know, I think there is a deep bunker inside of Microsoft where there are five or six people who are plotting the demise of the world. And starting a new conspiracy? No, not starting it. It's real. I mean, this isn't the theory. I mean, theory. This is not a theory. They are sitting there calculating. You know, and it's it's sort of like a YouTube video validating this. Absolutely. There's black helicopters. There's it's like it makes the Illuminati look small. Okay. You know, and it it is all through Windows 10, and you know, so okay, it's sneaky data mining. You know, it's it's definitely political the way it's. Not, not political as in our campaigns that are going on, but the way in which people frame these things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to use that. I mean, the, the metrics that are being sent back to Microsoft are being used to help them figure out what people do and don't do on their computers right. so that they can optimize those experiences. I saw another article just this morning where the FBI director, I think it was came out yesterday, uh, agrees that you should put tape over your webcam. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, the director of the FBI, you know, and and that's that's fine. And, and I understand this is a little bit different. I mean, you know, because you can get hacked. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about hacking later. And, you know, so if you cover it up, they can't see it. You know, it might be cool to have a little, this is a great product idea, have a little picture that you could have in front of the webcam that would be in a little bracket, you know, that would make them think it's somebody else. But anyway. Like an away message or something? Yeah, you know, just like like in Star Trek, the Corbin might maneuver with the the dripping head alien that's really scary. Yeah. Anyway, if... Do you even know that reference? I do know that. Do you know that reference? Okay, well, that's good. I, I, I grew up on Star Trek. Okay, good. Well, you know, the, the article is about somebody who said, you know, I've opted out of everything, but yet there's still data going out. Uh-huh. And, you know, they've also made it very difficult in Windows 10, as an aside, to turn off updates. Uh-huh. Now, in the past, you could just turn them off. Mm-hmm. What that left you with for the normal user was a machine that was out of date and potentially could be violated right. or hacked. Yeah, potential security concerns. So Microsoft designs operating systems and allows users to shoot themselves in the foot by turning off updates. Yeah. As opposed to Microsoft designs operating systems to force you to install updates, right. you know, violating your civil rights, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've thought about that. I have one client who has a legitimate reason why they'd want to turn off updates. They have an application that runs, and it takes a week to run. Right. It's gathering a whole bunch of data. Right. Microsoft was updating stuff and rebooting the machine yep. in the middle of that. Yeah, so I've, I've heard reports of that at not merely data gathering level, but mm-hmm. like security level. You know, we're running these security protocols or, you know, this, you know, these sort of military operations mm-hmm. and uh, using Windows 10 and, oh, 
yep, too bad. <laughs> so they're coming to terms with that, and they're fixing that. Okay. And that's like, oh, gee, that was stupid. But, you know, Mac OS, yeah. um, there's a point at which it will say, sorry, you got to install this. Right. It's a little draconian. And, you know, what I'm always surprised with is what – shouldn't you guys figure this out a little easier? I mean, this isn't the – you know – have a discussion with the user, say, you know, when do you want your updates? You right. know, this data is going out. This is why it's going out. Uh, do you want it there or not? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, normal human beings that aren't computer tech savvy, is like, I don't care. And they made the decision. The, um, what was that? Oh, sorry. Alert. Speaking of updates. Updates. Um, yeah. That was a Microsoft update. Yeah, for those who are listening, we just got an update in the middle of our discussion about That's right. updates. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we rebooting. We yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Microsoft was listening and they yeah. didn't like it, so they yeah. probably sent an update to uh, <laughs> mess up our recording. So, you know, so as, as he was um, relating this to me that his application was rebooting, well, I said, really, the the way to fix that is to go to the enterprise edition. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's wrong with that? I mean, you know, yeah, it's a hassle. I got windows installed already. Well, the enterprise edition has all of those features, Yeah, you know, that, that generally Microsoft has been very, very user choice centric. Mm -hmm. They will let you do things 10 different ways. Whereas Apple said, this is the way you do it. Right. You know, there is no alternative. This is the way you do it. And it works for both worlds. In some reasons, you know, most Mac users say, well, that's the way it is. Yeah. In the Windows world, we've been trained that we should be able to do anything we want. So as Microsoft sort of contracts on that privilege, I see. we're getting that bristling. What, what's interesting is the inflammatory nature of it is sneaky data mining. Well, you know, don't use it. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, if you don't like it or switch to the, you know, Go and do the work to turn yeah. it off. And you could do that. You know, you could easily put a firewall in place that denied all this kind of traffic. Gotcha. So so speaking of websites, WordPress 4.6 is out. You have this article recommending all these new features. They're talking about the new features of WordPress 4.6. Right. So obviously there's a vast number of websites that run WordPress. And so how how is 4.6 going to be an improvement? Why is this article... Uh, helpful just to kind of review. Well, you know, it's interesting as we sort of throw things out there, uh, you know, I look at it and say, gee, we support a lot of WordPress sites. 25% of the web is running on WordPress. I read it, you know, that it was more of a news, you know, yeah, that, yeah. hey, this came out. There are some new features. It's not um, revolutionary. Yeah. It's almost yawn, you know, okay. but it was, but what's interesting is that a lot of you yeah. were interested in that, yeah. maybe for the same reason. I don't think it was like, golly, gee, this is the coolest thing. But yet it's, you know, it's like a new version. And it, well, duh, it is a new version. Uh, there's some nice new features. One of the, you know, fonts being in, in WordPress 4.6, you can, you know, it, it's coming with open sans from Google fonts. Yeah, so, nice. you, you know, it has some nice things, a bunch of plugin and theme updates, Faster updates, editor enhancements, probably the, the nicest feature I thought was highlighting broken links, uh -huh. which is the bane of existence in a yeah, lot of yeah. things. So that's really nice. That's um, better autosave and recovery and better import screens, things like that, localization improvements. But not a huge leap forward, okay. you know. And as you get, as products become more mature, yeah. the next version 
is is a very small increment. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that with. Are there any sort of ways in which WordPress needs to make a leap forward for their for the improvement of the system, or are they really at a point where they're kind of like refining, but they're stabilized? Well, I think the the biggest thing lacking in core WordPress is the concept of ACLs and categories. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you had 10,000 articles in a WordPress environment, yeah. that would be painful. Yeah, it would bog it down. Well, it shouldn't technically, but back-end editing would be bogged down I because, think, yeah, you, well, I mean, it would be paginated, mm-hmm. but it would be cumbersome to work with. Yeah. You know, what people at WordPress are going to say is, well, you could filter it, you could do all that different stuff and, you know, get a list down. But uh, in Joomla, they have categories and all that kind mm-hmm. of things. It helps, but the, the, there needs to be some work on really the huge amounts of articles. And, you know, huge might be 100 for you. Yeah. That's still something that a person can't keep in their head yeah you know um, and so how do you slice and dice that how do you mm-hmm. organize it yeah. that kind of stuff um isn't as easy as it needs to be yeah well folks at wordpress if you're listening we would love for you to consult with paul about yeah. how you can make that happen moving on social selling um is an investment so you have a uh, social selling as an investment as one of your favorite articles from the month or one of the more popular articles of what you were recommending Talk us through what that means, social selling. I'm not even sure what that means from the face. Well, first of all, Social Selling is a book by Tim Hughes. Oh, great. And it, what, what it basically posits is the the idea of inbound marketing. Okay. Uh, and inbound marketing, I'm, I'm being a little unfair. It's really social selling. And what the idea is here is that a billboard isn't social selling. Yeah. There's no people involved. Right. It may be effective. It may be ineffective. A postcard is not social selling. A website is not social selling. When we start to move into it, if I post something on Facebook that is interesting, right. me being using Facebook as a channel to communicate mm-hmm. to you, that's social selling. Gotcha. And how do we leverage the social interaction, the proxy of a person uh, communicating about something gotcha. and saying, hey, you know, this is really good. Angie's List could be considered an, an avenue of a of a archetype of social selling. Gotcha. Because you say, hey, I found this plumber who actually came when I called him. Right. You know, and was really nice and did a great job. That's the passion. Now you can bring that passion to absolute selling, you know, to the fundamentals of selling. Yeah. As opposed to just going in and saying, you know, we offer widgets, do you want to buy widgets? Right. It's more of building a relationship with a person gotcha. socially. And I think the key here is it doesn't happen easy. Yeah. It happens with a lot of work. That hence the word investment. Yeah. And it has to be something that you are committed to. We have a client that is a national consulting firm and uh, we work directly with several people there, one of them being the president. And the president does social selling. He yeah. meets people. He yeah. talks with them. He gets to understand their problems. And he offers solutions to those problems. Well, that's social selling. That's really hard to scale. Yeah. So how do you do that in a web environment? Well, uh, you start to multiply that. You, know, yeah. you start to say, okay, blog posts, articles, video interviews, that kind of thing. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and that's great to hear, especially in terms of the investment part, because if it's going to be social selling and I, I recognize that sounds more businessy but effectively that's a focused relationship 
it's going to need the investment of time. I imagine that's going to be really helpful for a number of small businesses right. and entrepreneurs in terms of giving them categories for how to think through. Well, you want to be an advisor. Yeah. You know, you want to help them make good decisions. Yep. That's really the bottom line. And I used to work at a Radio Shack about 25, 30 years ago, and uh, people would come in and they'd say, I need this, and we didn't have it. Right. Uh, I sent them down the, the mall to the store that I knew did have it. Right. Now, that's counterintuitive, uh, but I just became their trusted advisor. Yeah. And they came in next time and said, what do they got to lose? I yeah. mean, because now I, I've already told them, go down to the store right. at the end of the hall to get that. If they, if they come in and they say, well, gee, I need this. Well, if we have it, here it is. Yeah, yeah. If I don't, I'm going to say, oh, you should go to this place. Yeah. And now they've got the best of both worlds. Right. And that's really social selling. Yeah. That's excellent. So next article, five reasons we choose React.js. Well, yeah, so there's a lot going on. My role in the past has been I've been a CTO, chief technology officer for a bunch of different companies. And as that, I have always sort of tracked what's going on in the way we uh, implement technology, different technologies. And, you know, 30 years ago, we wrote things in C Sharp or Visual Basic or maybe even... Well, I don't know about Java 30 years ago, 20 years ago maybe. So we use these different technologies. So React.js is one of those newer technologies. And the, the thing that's difficult for technology people is the stuff changes so quickly. Right. So I look at these articles as not harbingers, but almost harbingers of what's happening and a way to get onboarded into them. Mm-hmm. React.js is one of the things that CTOs should be considering as one of the future ways to do it. I mean, there's lots of applications being developed and deployed in it, and it's a really cool way to do things. I won't get into the technicals on the podcast, but if you're interested in development trends and the way things will be done, I think that React.js is one of those. There's a couple competing ones, but this is a good article that shows you some of the main advantages of it and why you should consider that and then why specifically one organization they have moved to react I gotcha. and so you, you sort of get the pluses and minuses of why they did that all right next article satellites auto detect buildings on open street map so yeah this is just cool um basically they're 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 taking this open street map data Okay. So like Google Maps, yep. there's a database behind that. Mm-hmm. And Google Maps is, you know, in the Google, classic Google way of doing it, you know, they give you the, the first dose and, yeah. and then you need to purchase it. You know, so if you're using Google Maps commercially, you need yeah. to pay for it. It's 10 grand a year. Oh, really? Uh, it's expensive. Wow. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's 800 bucks a month. So, you know, that's not terribly expensive, but it's not something you make a decision in one second to do. So there is this huge push, and so Craigslist abandoned Google Maps because of that. Uh, And they have been a champion of OpenStreetMaps. So what they have done, somebody out there, I don't know the guy, um, is basically take satellite imagery, combine it with OpenStreetMap data to detect buildings that weren't on there. Oh, wow. So, So the database has holes in it, and they're helping fill in those holes. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. 
Save Your Lives exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Save Your Labs at SaveYourLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.